morning church family and welcome to Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship's Cyber Church. Uh, we're looking so forward to reuniting at the well very soon and we just wanted to reach out and welcome everyone who's watching online and at home patiently waiting for our return. Good morning everybody. Flash and I say hi. Happy 4th. God bless you. God bless America. And we're praying for all of you and we are praying that the COVID will cease and God will reign and he will be glorified. We love you. We miss you guys. Happy 4th. Bye. Our scripture reading for this morning is going to be Psalm 46. And in a minute, the words will come up at the bottom of the screen here and, and uh, you can read along uh, with me uh, out loud, preferably, or you can grab your Bibles and just turn to Psalm uh, 46. We'll be reading out of the ESV. Uh, but before the words come up and we, and we read uh, this psalm together, um, the, uh, the, the psalmist here uh, bookends this psalm with, with two very comforting truths for times of trouble. And uh, I think that we can all relate to that right now, times of trouble and, and uh, it's circumstantial trouble in, in, uh, in the world right now, but sometimes life just has trouble, amen? And so as we think about uh, this psalm, as we're reading it, um, meditate as you read. Let the words uh, penetrate uh, and see if this doesn't bring some, some comfort as the psalmist uh, intended, as God intended really, uh, for it to be comforting uh, for us. So let's, uh, let's begin, uh, we'll read together Psalm 46. Uh, there's 11 verses and we're gonna read the whole thing together. So ready, begin. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks bow and shatters. Actually, he breaks bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And here it is. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Have a blessed day.
morning, church family. Just want to start off and say I hope everyone had a happy Fourth of July and that I miss and love all of you very much. It, now it's time for our meet and greet. First, we're going to hear from Betty, and then we're going to hear from Triple C, which is the continuing care center behind the hospital. It's the new one that just opened, and they wanted to show us the piano we donated to them. So let's watch meet and greet. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you again. I've missed all of you so much. I can hardly wait till we get back in this church together again, even though we are the church. But it's good to get all of us church in church. So I hope to see all of you again real soon. Goodbye and have a blessed day. Love all of you says aloha welcome home someday hopefully you'll be back here doing service here here's rosario hi she makes sure they see your service every sunday that's right yes she does and then here's the beautiful piano you donated for us and then there's doris doris this is pastor richie so they're coming in and they're having the parties and we got it all. There's Chris and Mr. Lawson. So they're going to have a little luau today to celebrate coming in and they're going to get their new rooms. And it's really awesome. And we really appreciate the new piano that you gave us. So thank you for your donation. And we look yes. forward to seeing you. Thank you so much. We love it. <laughs> and we're hoping that we get to have you guys back soon to do the services for us again. Yes. Bye. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, we're going to move into a, a time of tithing and uh, for our offering. Uh, and so uh, we're going to uh, read from some scripture. Uh, and then Shiloh is going to kind of share just a bit about that. So we're going to move into a very familiar uh, verse set of verses in 2 Corinthians we're all very familiar with uh, being cheerful in our giving and not being reluctant or um, out of a sense of compulsion. Um, and so that's kind of our context before these verses. But we're going to focus um, on verses 12 through 15. And again, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, and so I'll go ahead and read us here um, uh, verses 12 through 15. So it says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So going up to verse 12, <clears throat> Paul is saying that very practically this church is um, giving is supplying the needs of the saints and that's great but um, what he's also saying is that ultimately their giving is resulting in praise and thanksgiving to God and I really like how Chuck Smith puts it he says I think that's a really beautiful way to look at, at the giving and the fact that it is going to bring blessing to other people who in turn will give thanks to God for those blessings and so your giving is not only just taking care of their needs, but it's being the cause for bringing praise and rejoicing unto the Father. So our giving is ultimately pointing people to the Lord. Uh, verse 13 expounds on this a little bit, and it says that they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. 
Ultimately, their abundant sharing is an act of submission that's flowing from their confession of the gospel. Um, so, um, it all comes back to God's gift of grace um, in sending his son Jesus for us. So, as we're giving this morning, our hope is that we would be encouraged to continually offer all of who we are at Jesus' feet. Um, while this time refers to our monetary giving specifically, we want to remember that it's about much more than that. It's about us willingly and promptly and cheerfully giving of our time and our resources, um, our energy, our gifts, and our talents um, to the Lord so that ultimately he would be glorified um, and praise would abound to him. So now we're going to pray. Yeah, so uh, go ahead and just join us. We're going to pray for our offering and uh, we'll continue on with the service. Father, we just we just thank you again for another another day, another Sunday, another time of uh, just giving, giving back to you, and giving to your work here. And um, I mean, still we're 2020 is such an interesting year, and uh, this is getting kind of normal. And uh, I just pray in the realm of us, even in the normalcy of life and us doing things and even giving, uh, that you just remind us, remind us of uh, how much we really need you when it comes to the normal things because we can just get in, um, we can get passive and we can choose to not rely on you. Even when it comes to giving, I just pray you're stirring us uh, to give uh, because we love to, we want to, and not only that, that in our giving other people are blessed and you're also glorified in the receiving of things. And so I love that on either way, you're being glorified uh, and we get to really know you more uh, and you're changing us more whether we're giving or receiving um, so we thank you and we love you and um, yeah, we just give this day the service these this offering our gifts our time all the things that we have that you've given to us uh, we offer to you because we love you jesus amen But you can't tell what time it is now. It is time for birthday celebration. If you were born in the month of July, raise your hand. Okay, I see all of you. So now, you know our tradition, we break out birthday bear and we sing you happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. So all you July babies, happy birthday and we love you. Hello, it's time for announcements. There's not too many announcements this morning. Um, we just concluded our men's study and we're taking a couple weeks off, and, but we're going to start again. So men, if you'd like to join us, please email Mark Bodycomb. You can find out his email in our bulletin. So you know what time it is now. It's time for Kingdom Kids. for the breaking news interruption, but I want to let you know that kids are doing amazing things every day. Kids help other kids by starting charity drives, raising money, and collecting food for the needy. Kids volunteer to help animals at the zoo and raise awareness about caring for the earth. Kids do everything from inventing useful tools to simply befriending new kids who move to their new schools. We have 
Marge out in the field, helping out with the kids' cleanup today. Take it away, Marge. Well, thank you, Bambi. I'm out here today. It's a gorgeous day out here with all these kids cleaning up the beach. And of course, I'm helping. And it doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten, third grade, or about to head into middle school. God can use you. God can use you to share his love with your family and friends through little acts of kindness. You can be a big helper to mom or an encouragement to someone who needs it. Get into the habit of serving others now and God will do even greater things as you get older. David grew into a big mighty warrior, a king and a spiritual leader to his people. God can use you to change your school, your city, your country, and even your whole world. Well, back to you in the studio, Bambi. Thanks, Marge, for that great story. Looking good out there. Kids, it all begins now with a willing heart that longs for Jesus. David didn't become king because of who he would become. He became king because of who he was. Give your heart to Jesus and open your heart to doing his will. God could do big things th even through you, even though you may be small. Thanks again and continue watching Kingdom Kids News. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us on this July 5th, 2020. I hope that you enjoyed your July 4th uh, with family and friends. Uh, last week, I had referenced a video by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Uh, the video was entitled, Are We in a Post-Truth Culture? And uh, I referenced it and encouraged you to watch it if you so desired. The reason I didn't show it last Sunday was I had emailed them uh, asking for information and uh, their approval to show it. I wanted to be very respectful of copyright uh, issues if there were any, and I didn't hear back in time, so I didn't want to show it without approval. This past week, I received an email from them, and they said, that's fine, just uh, reference rzim.org. And so this morning, I wanted to uh, show the video clip. It's about three minutes, and uh, I believe that even in light of uh, it being July 4th and speaking of freedom, that uh, the video will be very helpful uh, as not just a review from last Sunday, but will launch us into this Sunday's message. So let's watch the video. Apologetics seeks to give credible answers to curious questions. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. My name is Bobby Conway, and we are actually down here at RZIM getting some of the speakers. And Abdu Marie, you are one of the itinerant speakers for the national speaking team, overseeing the team as well, right? I am, North American Director, yeah. Yeah, so, well, we're glad to have you on the program. We thank you for your writings and your work and your ministry. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you say that we are in a post-truth culture? I think the answer is a resounding yes to that, actually. And I think that it's very different than a postmodern culture. Postmodernism rejected the idea of objective truth altogether. And of course, that's self-defeating, as you well know. You know, if someone says there's no such thing as truth, you simply ask them, is that statement true? And it all falls apart. Right. Post-truth is different. Post-truth doesn't reject 
truth's existence, it just subordinates it to feelings and preferences. So a post-truth person would say, yeah, there's objective truth, but if it conflicts with my preferences, then I don't care. My preferences matter more. So something is post-truth if it elevates feelings and preferences above truth and facts. And I think what you're seeing today, whether it's in the realm of politics, whether it's in the realm of sexuality, whether it's in the realm of religion, is a post-truth culture that elevates those preferences to the point where if I don't uh, affirm your preferences, now I'm labeled ha hateful things like bigot or fascist or whatever it might be. And on all sides, we're doing this, on all sides, because we're elevating our agendas above what's true, actually. I think the way to actually combat that and to come back at this post-truth culture is forming solid argument, but also showing people what the consequences of living in a post-truth culture actually are. And the consequences are we lose our sense of reason, we lose our sense of accountability because our preferences matter more than anything else, and we lose our sense of human value. How is that the case? Well, think about it. Um, we're no longer talking about freedom in this country. We use the word freedom. What we really mean is autonomy. And autonomy comes from two Greek words, autos meaning self, namos meaning law. So we don't want to be free. We want to be laws unto ourselves. Freedom has boundaries, and that boundary is truth. When you're autonomous, you are a law unto yourself. Here's the problem. If my preferences matter more than truth, and someone else's preferences matter more than truth, and I'm a law unto myself, and that person's a law unto themselves, when my preferences clash with their preferences, Truth won't be the deciding factor because truth's on the bottom shelf. It won't be truth, it'll be power. And that is a recipe for chaos where we lose reason, accountability, and a sense of human value. And that's what happens when truth is gone. We become enslaved to our autonomy, which is why Jesus so remarkably says in John chapter 8, you will know the truth and this truth will set you free. Jesus links truth and freedom. Post-truth says autonomy leads to freedom. Jesus says, it's truth that leads to freedom. One of the reasons I really enjoyed the video, not just because it speaks to uh, the current state of our culture, but even as we discussed last Sunday, uh, issues uh, within the church potentially about why we might be out of balance as we walk uh, in faith and obedience with Jesus each day. Uh, the end of the video speaks about the truth setting us free. And biblically, we know that God's word is truth. In fact, uh, Jesus is the truth. And that's why uh, this July 4th, I really kind of appreciated that video because it brings us back to the basis of true freedom, freedom in Christ, right? We know that uh, through faith in Jesus, salvation frees us from the penalty of sin. We are free from the power of sin, and ultimately we will be free from the presence of sin. And I uh, encourage you to take time to reflect uh, on the freedom you have in Christ and to really thank the Lord this weekend for uh, the new covenant relationship you have with Him through faith in Christ and the freedom that has come with that and all the blessings and everything else we've been talking about the past several months together. This morning, we're going to continue through Ephesians chapter 4, and last week we focused on Ephesians 4.1, and that said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, right? And if you remember, uh, the key word in that uh, verse that we really focused on was therefore, and the Apostle Paul was referencing Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, and he says, therefore... 
Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And the word picture was a scale. And uh, the doctrine taught in 1, 2, and 3 should balanced, be balanced in how we live our life in 4, 5, and 6. And last week we spoke about uh, several things that that may be uh, reasons behind why we're out of balance, right? Maybe we've elevated certain things above the, uh, the number one priority in our life instead of being God's word. Maybe we've elevated uh, our thoughts, our opinions, our feelings, uh, past experiences, uh, our preferences. And, and when, we, when we elevate those things above God's word, God's doctrine, you know, we get out of balance. We get out of balance. And this week, we're going to continue this theme of looking at this scale, because again, in, in verse 1, the scale uh, should be balanced, right? Our walk and our calling should be balanced, right? Uh, the truth we say we believe should, should be balanced with how we live out our lives. And this morning, the question is, and, and the sermon title is, uh, what's on your side of the scale? So, so if we have all of this incredible, beautiful, wonderful doctrinal truth in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And let's say that's pretty weighty, right? So our scale is like this with all the wonderful things we learned in 1, 2, and 3. What are we supposed to be putting on our side to bring in balance? You ever think about that? Are there specific things that I'm supposed to actually be putting here intentionally, proactively, deliberately, uh, as I read God's word, as I appropriate God's truth, as I walk by faith and obedience, what am I supposed to be putting over here in the sanctification process to bring the scale into balance? And in Ephesians 4, uh, 2 through 6, the Apostle Paul actually gives us some very specific things right off the bat that we can be intentional about in terms of bringing our life, our walk, our calling, our walk and talk into balance. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We're going to walk through this, uh, these verses and these specific characteristics, attributes that Paul mentions. But really the theme of uh, 2 through 6 is unity is unity. And what's really interesting and challenging right off the bat is sometimes in our desire to walk with Jesus and have things in balance, we, for whatever reason, turn our faith into more of a self-centered journey. What can Jesus do for me? How can Jesus meet my needs? How can the church meet my needs? How can the pastor and elders meet my needs? And, and it's about my growth and my relationship with Jesus. When, if you read this passage, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, right off the bat, Paul is speaking about attributes and qualities and ultimately the unity of the body of Christ that, that really is other-centered. That other-centered, when he talks about humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, uh, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, he says right off the bat, hey, 
therefore, everything that I taught you in 1, 2, and 3, right off the bat, he says, therefore, develop these attributes, these characteristics, right? Be intentional about these things, not for yourself, but for the good of the relationships with others in the church so that the unity of the church is maintained. Oftentimes we think that it's the job of the pastors or the elders or ministry leaders to maintain the unity of the church and to, to keep everyone, you know, loving each other. No, isn't it interesting? Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, right off the bat, tells us very directly, every Christian has the responsibility to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the body of Christ in love, in peace, right? So right off the bat, the question for us is, the question for you, the question for me is, in my walk, in my desire to be balanced, my walk and calling, have I been more self-centered than other-centered? If you come uh, to the church for any length of time, you know that uh, Sunday morning, sometimes I would challenge uh, the church family, would say, hey, when you came this morning, did you come to be a getter or a giver? Because sometimes we go to church, right, when we're able to go to church, uh, we say, I hope I get a good sermon. I hope I get good worship. I hope I get good fellowship, right, before. I hope I get good donuts. I hope I get good cheese today, right? Whatever it might be, I hope I get something. Versus every Sunday waking up and saying, how can I give today when I go to church? And, and not just in the sense of being physical, uh, coming to a physical place, but now that we, you know, we haven't been uh, meeting regularly here at a physical location, even every day, every, every Sunday, how can I be a, a giver? How can I give someone encouragement? How can I give someone love? How can I give someone, you know, uh, a prayer or, or just really come alongside them? Be, being a giver rather than a getter. And that's really the theme of, uh, in, in many ways, the sense of I get from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 is Paul is saying, hey, walk in a manner worthy of your calling, but right off the bat, focus on attributes, focus on qualities that are for the good of everyone not just yourself. Okay, that's, that's really what he's saying. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, it says, For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. That verse reminds us we are one body, and as members of that body, we all have a responsibility, a role to play in maintaining the unity and the love of the body. So, uh, kind of walking through the list, the first one is humility. Humility. And it's interesting that in that culture, humility was considered to be weakness. It was a weak character trait. It showed actually a lack of self-respect. If you were humble in, in that culture in the time that Paul was writing, uh, you were looked down upon. It was a very negative trait to have. And yet, uh, Jesus flips it and elevates it to a very high place, right? And the Apostle Paul is speaking to that Greek mindset uh, of superiority and even to the Jewish religious mindset of superiority. And right off the bat, he says, no. Have humility. Have humility. And humility is not beating yourself up and saying how bad of a person you are. That's not humility. Humility is simply thinking rightly of yourself. 
in light of God, in light of who he is, in light of the gospel, in light of his grace, true humility comes from understanding rightly what God has done and who I am in Christ because of what he has done. In fact, in Ephesians 2, we, we covered it several weeks ago, this is what it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. If you want to develop biblical humility, read that passage, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, over and over, and let the powerful truth of God's grace and your lost and dead condition before his grace came into your life. And that'll humble you. That'll, that'll knock you to your knees. And that can radically change how you view the lost. You'll view them with compassion instead of condemnation, understanding that you were once lost. You were once blind. You once thought you had it all together. You once thought you knew it all. You once thought you didn't need God or Jesus And then God's grace came into your life. He opened your eyes and suddenly you're humbled. You're humbled because you see things rightly. You see your sinful lost condition. You see his incredible grace and love. And you know what results? True biblical humility. Andrew Murray says, The humble person is not one who thinks meanly of himself. He simply does not think of himself at all. He simply does not think of himself at all. When you understand where you come from, your thoughts predominantly are about the love and grace of God and wanting to honor him and then loving others in the same way that he's loved you. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, And then the next attribute is gentleness. Uh, Perhaps a a better word is meekness, and we've covered this before. Uh, Meekness uh, is simply power, strength, emotions, feelings under control, under control. Uh, I've shown before here at the well a picture of a stallion, right? A powerful stallion that's just standing there at, at peace, under control. But you know there's a lot of strength. You know, at any moment, that stallion could kind of do what it wants. But a stallion is meek. It's power under control. Again, in that culture, uh, seen as a negative, but uh, Jesus comes along and elevates it. In fact, in Matthew 5, 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Barnes notes on the New Testament says this, Meekness relates to the manner in which we we receive injuries. We are to bear them patiently and not to retaliate or seek revenge. The meaning here is that we adorn the gospel when we show its power in enabling us to bear injuries without anger or a desire of revenge or with a mild and forgiving spirit. Okay? So meekness 
It's, it's being considerate, being sensitive to others. It's power, strength, under control. It's, not, it's really the other end of the spectrum. It's the opposite of being harsh and abrasive and argumentative and rude, right? No. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who, in the power of the Holy Spirit, move in power under control of the Spirit. And then the next one is patience or long-suffering. And and there's a word picture for patience. It's having a long fuse versus a short fuse. Okay? Not being short-tempered, not just kind of losing control and and losing your temper really quickly with people. All right? Uh, One person says, it is bearing patiently with the foibles, faults, and infirmities of others. And if you've been in the church for any length of time, you know that the church is filled with imperfect people, and these imperfect people are filled with foibles, faults, and infirmities. Right? And that's why we need patience. And patience is what? A fruit of the Spirit, right? It's a supernatural work of God. Larry Richard says this, The New Testament contains many exhortations to be patient. But just what is patience? The Greek word group focuses our attention on restraint that capacity for self-control despite circumstances that might arouse the passions or cause agitation this is not so much a trait as a way of life okay so patience supernatural work of god supernatural work of god and then we're to bear with one another in love Again, similar sense, it conveys the sense of putting up with one another, but, but not begrudgingly like, oh, no, God, oh, here, oh, here, oh, no. What is it? In love. And what is love? A fruit of the Spirit, right? Agape love, self-sacrificial love. Colossians 3, 12 to 14 says this, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and then he says we are to have eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eagerness, being diligent, making every effort, all right? Uh, being motivated, having a purpose. What's our purpose? To maintain the unity. To maintain means to guard it, to keep watch over it. It's present tense. And who, who is responsible? All of us. The entire church. Remember, Paul is writing a letter to all the saints, not just the church leaders. So we all should be eager. We should all desire to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I found one practical, uh, very practical verse that, that kind of speaks to this. Well, well how do we do that? Well, Psalm 141.3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Can you imagine? How do we maintain the unity of the body of the Spirit? Well, one of the key ways is just ask the Lord to set a guard over your mouth, over my mouth, keep a watch over the door of my lips, right? In practical sense, maybe in 2020, it's like set a guard over what I text, set a guard over what I post online, right? right? All of this, uh, these things that we just kind of shoot out there, whether it's verbally or on the keyboard, and it's not really helpful to maintain the unity. And in many ways, it's divisive. It's hurtful. It's not loving. 
It's not loving. Okay? John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It all comes back to love and the love role modeled by Jesus ultimately on the cross. Agape love, self-sacrificial love that is a work only of the Holy Spirit even today in my life and in your life. If we're going to love like Jesus truly loved us, it's going to take a work of the Holy Spirit a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which means we have to walk in the Spirit, which means we have to surrender and yield to God's truth. Therefore, we walk in the Spirit for His glory, in love, right? And in that love, out of that love comes humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another, right? And a desire to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It all comes out of... Oh, supernatural work of God in your heart, transforming you. So these are things that that take time uh, this week, take time today this week to ask yourself, okay, I'm supposed to have my scale balanced. Do I have humility? Do I have gentleness, meekness? How's my patience? Have I been bearing with one another in love? Have I been eagerly desired to maintain the unity? It's very specific. Right? This, this idea of having a scale and balance is not some just very broad, theoretical, uh, you know, okay, just have your scales and balance. Uh, okay, I think they are. I, I'm, I'm a good moral person. I'm real busy at church. Um, you know, I don't do a lot of bad things. I guess my scales are in balance. No! Ephesians 4, 1, uh, 1, through, 6, 1 through 6, really says, here's some very practical things. Here's some very practical things. Humility, gentleness, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, maintaining the unity. You can ask yourself, ask the Lord to show you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are these on your side of the scale, of your scale, this morning? And I want to give you a real practical uh, encouragement. Today or this week, speaking about maintaining the unity and loving one another, Pray for someone and reach out to someone practically today or sometime this week. Call them, text them, email them, do something practical. Help meet one of their, maybe they have a real need in their life right now. Demonstrate agape love to somebody today or sometime this week. Very practical. Just, you can pray. Praying is practical. I'm not saying it's not. But do something practical that requires energy and effort in terms of reaching out to them. Okay. Yes, by all means, pray for them. In fact, during the time of worship and communion coming up, I'm going to really encourage you, let the Lord bring someone to your heart and mind and pray for them in this time. But then afterwards, after you watch this later this week, do something practical for them. Do something very practical and tangible out of love. Before we go into worship, I'll read uh, this passage from Philippians 2, 3 to 11. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we go into worship and communion, ask Father through His Holy Spirit to show you how have you been doing with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit, right? How have you been doing? And then ask Father to bring someone into your heart and place them on your mind and pray for them, a brother and sister in Christ that maybe you're not even thinking of right now, but maybe God will just impress them upon your heart. Just pray for them and then seek ways to uh, manifest that agape love uh, later today um, or sometime this week, okay? And then after uh, we worship and sing together, I encourage you uh, to stay to the end of service because we're going to be sharing some really good and exciting news uh, with the church family uh, for uh, something that's coming up later this month, okay? So, Father, thank you for our time uh, this morning in Ephesians 4, uh, 2 through 6. Father, now as we enter into worship, into communion, Lord, we ask you to search our hearts, examine our hearts, and Lord, uh, bring to our heart and mind a brother or sister in Christ that you would have us pray for, that you would have us love in a very tangible and practical way. We love you, Father. We want you to be glorified in our life. So we commit this time to you now in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.
As we prepare to close, I wanted to update you regarding the reopening of the well for Sunday morning gatherings. Uh, many of you know that we have been praying. We have been seeking God's wisdom, His direction. Uh, we've sought counsel and gotten input from other churches in the valley and uh, taken into consideration the results even from the survey. And thank you to many of you who filled out the survey. And, and we've been seeking the Lord in these times for His timing, His will. I shared with you several weeks ago that every church is different. Every pastoral team needs to seek God for their unique uh, circumstances, for their unique uh, flock. And we have been doing that as an elder board. And I wanted to update you that we believe and, and we're excited and enthusiastic that uh, God has given us a date for our reopening. And it's July 19th, which would be two Sundays from today. And uh, next Sunday, July 12th, uh, we're going to spend most of the service going over uh, the details about how it's going to work for us to reopen and the different protocols and everything um, that's going to be required in, in order for us to uh, be good witnesses to the community, for us to abide by the guidelines that have been set forth by the state, the county, the city, um, and really uh, for the well-being uh, of you guys, for your health and well-being, not just spiritually but also physically. Uh, you know, it's a very complex process. There's a lot of things that we have been uh, discussing, a lot of things we have been praying over. And we believe that July 19th is a date. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now that uh, we would say that that's in pencil uh, because many of you know that uh, recent days and weeks, there's been a bit of spike in the uh, COVID-19 cases, and we're aware of that. And so uh, things are fluid. Things might change. Uh, there's a phrase called Deo Valente, which means God willing or Lord willing. And so uh, July 19th, Lord willing, uh, there will be a group that gathers here at 10 a.m. for Sunday service. Now, I want to just share a couple things, very broad things, because I said, like I said, next Sunday, we're going to spend as much time as we can uh, trying to clearly communicate how our gathering will work uh, moving forward on the 19th. Uh, but today, I just want to share with you that uh, our heart is for the entire church family. Uh, we know that even if we uh, open the doors on the 19th, that uh, some of you may not be able to and some of you may not choose to attend. And we want you to know, I want you to know personally, that is fine. We love you. Um, we understand there's varying uh, health conditions. There's uh, high-risk groups. Uh, every family, every individual needs to seek the Lord and needs to be comfortable, in one sense, with uh, a decision to attend or not. There's no stigma, you know, there's no uh, negative uh, thoughts or anything about those who cannot or choose not to attend. That is 100% fine. What we are going to do is uh, we're going to be live streaming uh, our Sunday service at 10 a.m., so you can hopefully feel a part of uh, an actual live service happening here at the well. And uh, we'll give you more details about how that's going to happen uh, next Sunday as well. Uh, but July 19th, uh, we're enthused. Uh, we've been spending a lot, a lot of time in preparation. If you've spoken to other people in the Valley about uh, how their services are different and the things that they need to do at their churches to be safe and to honor uh, the guidelines that have been set forth, uh, well, you know, that's going to happen here. So it's going to be a different experience, uh, but at the very least, we'll be able to gather 
uh, on a Sunday morning. So uh, we're excited. Please pray for us. Please continue to pray for the community, uh, you know, the country as we work through these times. Uh, next Sunday, again, on July 12th, we're going to spend um, time giving you the details of how it's going to work and, and everything like that. But we wanted to let you know uh, today uh, that God has answered our prayers. God has answered your prayers. And July 19th uh, will be the reopening for the well. Okay? Uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, I want you to really pray and think about today's message. Right? The scales. What have you been putting in your scale? What's on your side to, to really balance out? Remember, humility, gentleness, meekness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond in peace, right? So, again, seek the Lord for a brother or sister in Christ that you can pray for today, this week, and then do something tangible. Agape loves somebody, right? Agape love is a verb. It's an action. Uh, take action uh, this week to demonstrate love to a brother and sister in Christ who may need encouragement, may need some real tangible help, okay? And we do it all in love, all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you uh, that in your time you have answered uh, our prayers and that uh, July 19th, uh, again, according to your will, uh, Lord willing, we surrender that date to you. But uh, Lord, if it be your will on July 19th that uh, we would be able to gather here at the well and via live stream. So Father, we give that to you. We continue to pray for our, our community, pray for our country in these turbulent times. And then Father, we ask you to give us very clear application about uh, what's on our side of the scale. Humility, gentleness, meekness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eagerness to maintain the unity of the body. Father, speak to our hearts about practical application in the areas of our life that need it. And then, Lord, put a brother or sister in Christ on our heart that we can pray for uh, today, this week, and then tangibly love in some way this week for your glory and to demonstrate that truly we are the body of Christ to a community that is always watching. So we love you. We commit our lives to you. We look forward to being together once again next Sunday. And all God's people said, amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks again for being here this morning. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a great week.